0: Section 59 of Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible, Unabridged, Volume 6, Acts of the Apostles, by Matthew Henry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 6 through 15 Paul invited into Macedonia, the conversion of Lydia. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they assayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering, that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. In these verses we have one, Paul's travels up and down to do good. One, he and Silas, his colleague, went throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, where it should seem the gospel was already planted but whether by Paul's hand or no, is not mentioned. It is likely it was, for in his epistle to the Galatians he speaks of his preaching the gospel to them at the first, and how very acceptable he was among them. Galatians chapter 4 verses 13 through 15. And it appears by that epistle that the judicizing teachers had then done a great deal of mischief to these churches of Galatia, had prejudiced them against Paul and drawn them from the gospel of Christ, for which he there severely reproves them. But probably that was a great while after this. Too, they were forbidden at this time to preach the gospel in Asia, the country properly so called, because it did not need other hands being at work there, or because the people were not yet prepared to receive it, as they were afterwards, chapter 19, verse 10, when all those that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, or, as Dr. Lightfoot suggests, because at this time Christ would employ Paul in a piece of new work, which was to preach the gospel to a Roman colony at Philippi, for hitherto the Gentiles to whom he had preached were Greeks, the Romans were more particularly hated by the Jews than other Gentiles. Their armies were the abomination of desolation, and therefore there is this, among other things, extraordinary in his call thither, that he is forbidden to preach the gospel in Asia and other places, in order to his preaching it there, which is an intimation that the light of the gospel would in after times be directed more westward than eastward it was the holy ghost that forbade them either by secret whispers in the minds of both of them which when they came to compare notes they found to be the same and to come from the same spirit or by some prophets who spoke to them from the spirit the removals of ministers and the dispensing of the means of grace by them are in a particular manner under a divine guidance and direction. We find an Old Testament minister forbidden to preach at all. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 26 Thou shalt be dumb. But these New Testament ministers are only forbidden to preach in one place, while they are directed to another where there is more need. 3. They would have gone into Bithynia but were not permitted. The Spirit suffered them not. Verse 7. They came to Mysia, and it should seem preached the gospel there. For though it was a very mean, contemptible country, even to a proverb, Mysorium Ultimus in Cicero is a most despicable man. Yet the apostles disdained not to visit it, owning themselves debtors both to the wise and to the unwise romans chapter 1 verse 14 in bithynia was the city of nice where the first general council was held against the arians into these countries peter sent his epistle 1 peter chapter 1 verse 1 and there were flourishing churches here for though they had not the gospel sent them now they had it in their turn not long after Observe, though their judgment and inclination were to go into Bithynia, yet having then extraordinary ways of knowing the mind of God, they were overruled by them, contrary to their own mind. We must now follow providence and submit to the guidance of that pillar of cloud and fire. And if this suffer us not to do what we assay to do, we ought to acquiesce and believe it for the best. The Spirit of Jesus suffered them not, so many ancient copies read it. The servants of the Lord Jesus ought to be always under the check and conduct of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus, by whom he governs men's minds. For they passed by Mysia, or passed through it, so some, sowing good seed, we may suppose, as they went along, and they came down to Troas, the city of Troy, so much talked of, or the country thereabouts, which took its denomination from it. Here a church was planted, for here we find one in being, chapter 20, verses 6 and 7, and probably planted at this time and in a little time. It should seem that at Troas, Luke fell in with Paul, and joined himself to his company. For henceforward, for the most part, when he speaks of Paul's journeys, he puts himself into the number of his retinue. We went, verse ten, to Paul's particular call to Macedonia, that is, to Philippi, the chief city, inhabited mostly by Romans, as appears, verse 21. Here we have one, the vision Paul had, verse 9. Paul had many visions, sometimes to encourage, sometimes, as here, to direct him in his work. An angel appeared to him, to intimate to him that it was the will of Christ he should go to Macedonia. Let him not be discouraged by the embargo laid upon him once and again, by which his designs were crossed. For though he shall not go where he has a mind to go, he shall go where God has work for him to do. Now, observe one the person Paul saw. There stood by him a man of Macedonia, who by his habit or dialect seemed so to Paul, or who told him he was so. The angel, some think, assumed the shape of such a man, or, as others think, impressed upon Paul's fancy, when, between sleep and awake, the image of such a man. He dreamt he saw such a one. Christ would have Paul directed to Macedonia, not as the apostles were at other times by a messenger from heaven to send him thither, but by a messenger thence to call him thither, because in this way he would afterwards ordinarily direct the motions of his ministers by inclining the hearts of those who needed them to invite them. Paul shall be called to Macedonia by a man of Macedonia, and by him speaking in the name of the rest. Some make this man to be the tutelar angel of Macedonia, supposing angels to have charge of particular places as well as persons, and that so much is intimated Daniel chapter 10 verse 20, where we read of the princes of Persia and Grecia that seem to have been angels, but there is no certainty of this. There was presented, either to Paul's eyes or to his mind, a man of Macedonia. The angel must not preach the gospel himself to the Macedonians, but must bring Paul to them nor must he, by the authority of an angel, order him to go, but in the person of a Macedonian court him to come. A man of Macedonia, not a magistrate of the country, much less a priest, Paul was not accustomed to receive invitations from such, but an ordinary inhabitant of that country, a plain man, that carried in his countenance marks of probity and seriousness that did not come to banter paul nor trifle with him but in good earnest and with all earnestness to importune his assistance to the invitation given him this honest macedonian prayed him saying come over into macedonia and help us that is come and preach the gospel to us let us have the benefit of thy labors. 1. Thou hast helped many. We have heard of those in this and the other country to whom thou hast been very useful. And why may we not put in for a share? O oh, come and help us. The benefits others have received from the gospel should quicken our inquiries, our further inquiries after it. 2. It is thy business and it is thy delight to help poor souls. Thou art a physician for the sick, that art to be ready at the call of every patient. O oh, come and help us. 3. We have need of thy help as much as any people. We in Macedonia are as ignorant and as careless in religion as any people in the world are are as idolatrous and as vicious as any, and as ingenious and industrious to ruin ourselves as any. And therefore, O come, come with all speed among us. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. For those few among us that have any sense of divine things and any concern for their own souls and the souls of others have done what can be done by the help of natural light. I have done my part for one. We have carried the matter as far as it will go to persuade our neighbors to fear and worship God, but we can do little good among them. O oh, come, come, thou over, and help us. The gospel thou preachest has arguments and powers beyond those we have yet been furnished with. 5. Do not only help us with thy prayers here, this will not do. Thou must come over and help us. Note, people have great need of help for their souls, and it is their duty to look out for it and invite those among them that can help them. 2. The interpretation made of the vision. Verse 10. They gathered assuredly from this that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel there, and they were ready to go wherever God directed. No, we may sometimes infer a call of God from a call of man. If a man of Macedonia says, Come and help us, Paul thence gathers assuredly that God says, Go and help them. Ministers may go on with great cheerfulness and courage in their work, when they perceive christ calling them not only to preach the gospel but to preach it at this time in this place to this people three paul's voyage to macedonia hereupon he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision but followed this divine direction much more cheerfully and with more satisfaction then he would have followed any contrivance or inclination of his own. One, thitherward, he turned his thoughts. Now that he knows the mind of God in the matter, he is determined, for this is all he wanted. Now he thinks no more of Asia nor Bithynia, but immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Paul only had the vision, but he communicated it to his companions, and they all, upon the credit of this, resolved for Macedonia. As Paul will follow Christ, so all his will follow him, or rather, follow Christ with him. They are getting things in readiness for this expedition immediately, without delay. Note God's calls must be complied with immediately, as our obedience must not be disputed so it must not be deferred. Do it today, lest thy heart be hardened. Observe, they could not immediately go into Macedonia, but they immediately endeavored to go. If we cannot be so quick as we would be in our performances, yet we may be in our endeavors, and this shall be accepted. two thitherward, he steered his course. They set sail by the first shipping, and with the first fair wind from Troas, for they may be sure they have done what they had to do there when God calls them to another place. They came with a straight course, a prosperous voyage to Samothracia. The next day they came to Neapolis, a city on the confines of Thrice and Macedonia, and at last they landed at Philippi, a city so called from Philip king of Macedon, the father of Alexander the Great, it is said, verse 12, to be, one the chief city of that part of Macedonia, or, as some read it, the first city, the first they came to when they came from Troas. As an army that lands in a country of which they design to make themselves masters, begin with the reduction of the first place they come to so did Paul and his assistants. They began with the first city, because if the gospel were received there, it would the more easily spread thence all the country over. Two, it was a colony. The Romans not only had a garrison, but the inhabitants of the city were Romans, the magistrates at least, and the governing part. There were the greatest numbers and variety of people and therefore the most likelihood of doing good, for the cold entertainment which Paul and his companions met with at Philippi. One would have expected that having such a particular call from God thither, they would have had a joyful welcome there, as Peter had with Cornelius when the angels sent him thither. Where was the man of Macedonia that begged Paul to come thither with all speed? Why did he not stir up his countrymen, some of them at least, to go and meet him? Why was not Paul introduced with solemnity and the keys of the city put into his hand? Here is nothing like this, for, one, it is a good while before any notice at all is taken of him. We were in that city abiding certain days, probably at a public house and at their own charge, for they had no friend to invite them so much as to a meal's meet, till Lydia welcomed them. They had made all the haste they could thither, but now that they are there, they are almost tempted to think they might as well have stayed where they were but so it was ordered for their trial whether they could bear the pain of silence and lying by when this was their lot those eminent and useful men are not fit to live in this world that know not how to be slighted and overlooked let not ministers think it strange if they be first strongly invited to a place then looked shyly upon when they come Two, when they have an opportunity of preaching, it is in an obscure place, and to a mean and small auditory. Verse thirteen, there was no synagogue of the Jews there, for aught that appears, to be a door of entrance to them, and they never went to the idle temples of the Gentiles to preach to the auditories there, but here, upon inquiry, they found a little meeting of good women that were proselytes of the gate, who would be thankful to them if they would give them a sermon. The place of this meeting is out of the city. There it was connived at, but would not be suffered anywhere within the walls. It was a place where prayer was wont to be made, prosiuche, where an oratory or house of prayer was, so some, a chapel or smaller synagogue. But I rather take it as we read it, where prayer was appointed or accustomed to be. Those that worshipped the true God and would not worship idols met there to pray together and, according to the description of the most ancient and universal devotion, to call upon the name of the Lord. Each of them prayed apart every day. This was always the practice of those that worshipped God. But besides this, they came together on the Sabbath day. Though they were but a few and discountenanced by the town, though their meeting was at some distance, though for aught that appears there were none but women, yet a solemn assembly the worshippers of God must have, if by any means it be possible, on the Sabbath day. When we cannot do as we would, we must do as we can. If we have not synagogues, we must be thankful for more private places and resort to them, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together according as our opportunities are. This place is said to be by a riverside, which perhaps was chosen as befriending contemplation. Idolaters are said to take their lot among the smooth stones of the stream. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 6. But these proselytes had in their eye, perhaps, the example of those prophets who had their visions. One by the river of Chabar, Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 1. Another by the great river Hittacle, Daniel chapter 10 verse 4. Thither Paul and Silas and Luke went and sat down to instruct the congregation, that they might the better pray with them. They spoke unto the women who resorted thither, encouraged them in practicing according to the light they had, and led them on further to the knowledge of Christ. 5. The conversion of Lydia, who probably was the first that was wrought upon there to believe in Christ, though not the last. In this story of the Acts, we have not only the conversion of places recorded, but of many particular persons. For such is the worth of souls that the reducing of one to God is a great matter. Nor have we only the conversions that were effected by miracle, as Paul's, but some that were brought about by the ordinary methods of grace, as Lydia's here. Observe, one, who this convert was, that there was such particular notice taken of. Four things are recorded of her. One, her name, Lydia. It is an honor to her to have her name recorded here in the book of God, so that wherever the scriptures are read, there shall this be told concerning her. Note, the names of the saints are precious with God, and should be so with us, we cannot have our names recorded in the Bible. But if God open our hearts, we shall find them written in the book of life. And this is better. Philippians chapter 4 verse 3 And more to be rejoiced in. Luke chapter 10 verse 20 2. Her calling. She was a seller of purple, either of purple dye or of purple cloth or silk. Observe 1. She had a calling an honest calling, which the historian takes notice of to her praise. She was none of those women that the apostle speaks of, 1 Timothy 5, verse 13, who learned to be idle, and not only idle, etc. Two, it was a mean calling. She was a seller of purple, not a wearer of purple. Few such are called. The notice here taken of this is an intimation to those who are employed in honest callings. If they be honest in the management of them, not to be ashamed of them. 3. Though she had a calling to mind, yet she was a worshiper of God, and found time to improve advantages for her soul. The business of our particular callings may be made to consist very well with the business of religion and therefore it will not excuse us from religious exercises alone and in our families or in solemn assemblies to say, we have shops to look after and a trade to mind. For have we not also a god to serve and a soul to look after? Religion does not call us from our business in the world, but directs us in it, everything in its time and place. 3. The place she was of, of the city of Thyatira, which was a great way from Philippi. There she was born and bred, but either married at Philippi or brought by her trade to settle there. The providence of God, as it always appoints, so it often removes the bounds of our habitation, and sometimes makes the change of our outward condition or place of our abode wonderfully subservient to the designs of his grace concerning our salvation. Providence brings Lydia to Philippi to be under Paul's ministry, and there where she met with it, she made a good use of it. So should we improve opportunities. For her religion before the Lord opened her heart, one, she worshipped God according to the knowledge she had. She was one of the devout women. Sometimes the grace of God wrought upon those who, before their conversion, were very wicked and vile, publicans and harlots. Such were some of you, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. But sometimes it fastened upon those who were of a good character, who had some good in them as the eunuch, Cornelius, and Lydia. Note, it is not enough to be worshippers of God, but we must be believers in Jesus Christ, for there is no coming to God as a father, but by him as mediator. But those who worshipped God according to the light they had stood fair for the discoveries of Christ and his grace to them, for to him that has shall be given and to them Christ would be welcome. For those that know what it is to worship God see their need of Christ and know what use to make of his mediation. Two, she heard the apostles. Here, where prayer was made, when there was an opportunity, the word was preached. For hearing the word of God is a part of religious worship. And how can we expect God should hear our prayers if we will not hearken to his word. Those that worshipped God according to the light they had looked out for further light. We must improve the day of small things, but must not rest in it. 2. What the work was that was wrought upon her, whose heart the Lord opened. Observe here, 1, the author of this work. It was the Lord, the Lord Christ, to whom this judgment is committed, the Spirit of the Lord who is the Sanctifier. Note, conversion work is God's work. It is He that works in us both to will and to do, not as if we had nothing to do, but of ourselves, without God's grace, we can do nothing, nor as if God were in the least chargeable with the ruin of those that perish, but the salvation of those that are saved must be wholly ascribed to him. To the seat of this work. It is in the heart that the change is made. It is to the heart that this blessed turn is given. It was the heart of Lydia that was wrought upon. Conversion work is heart work. It is a renewing of the heart, the inward man, the spirit of the mind. Three, the nature of the work. She had not only her heart touched, but her heart opened. An unconverted soul is shut up and fortified against Christ. Straightly shut up as Jericho against Joshua. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Christ, in dealing with the soul, knocks at the door that is shut against him. Revelations chapter 3 verse 20 and when a sinner is effectually persuaded to embrace Christ, then the heart is open for the King of glory to come in. The understanding is open to receive the divine light, the will open to receive the divine law, and the affections opened to receive the divine love. When the heart is thus opened to Christ, the ear is open to his word, the lips opened in prayer, the hand opened in charity, and the steps enlarged in all manner of gospel obedience. 3. What were the effects of this work on the heart? 1. She took great notice of the word of God. Her heart was so opened that she attended to the things that were spoken by Paul. She not only gave attendance on Paul's preaching, but gave attention to it she applied to herself, so some read it, the things that were spoken by Paul. And then only the word does us good and makes an abiding impression upon us when we apply it to ourselves. Now this was an evidence of the opening of her heart and was the fruit of it. Wherever the heart is opened by the grace of God, it will appear by a diligent attendance on and attention to the Word of God, both for Christ's sake, whose Word it is, and for our own sakes, who are so nearly interested in it. Two, she gave up her name to Jesus Christ and took upon her the profession of his holy religion. She was baptized, and by this solemn rite was admitted a member of the Church of Christ, and with her her household also was baptized those of them that were infants in her right, for if the root be holy, so are the branches, and those that were grown up by her influence and authority. She and her household were baptized by the same rule that Abraham and his household were circumcised, because the seal of the covenant belongs to the covenanters and their seed. Three, she was very kind to the ministers and very desirous to be further instructed by them in the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. She besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, if you take me to be a sincere Christian, manifest your confidence in me by this. Come into my house and abide there. Thus she desired an opportunity, one, to testify her gratitude to those who had been the instruments of divine grace in this blessed change that was wrought upon her. When her heart was open to Christ, her house was open to his ministers for his sake, and they were welcome to the best entertainment she had, which she did not think too good for those of whose spiritual things she had reaped so plentifully nay they are not only welcome to her house but she is extremely pressing and importunate with them she constrained us which intimates that paul was very backward and unwilling to go because he was afraid of being burdensome to the families of the young converts and would study to make the gospel of christ without charge 1 corinthians chapter 9 verse 18 acts chapter 20 verse 34 that those who were without might have no occasion given them to reproach the preachers of the gospel as designing, self seeking men, and that those who were within might have no occasion to complain of the expenses of their religion. But Lydia will have no nay. She will not believe that they take her to be a sincere Christian unless they will oblige her herein. Like Abraham inviting the angels, Genesis chapter 18, verse 3. If now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away from thy servant. Two, she desired an opportunity of receiving further instruction. If she might but have them for a while in her family, she might hear them daily, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34, and not merely on Sabbath days at the meeting. In her own house, she might not only hear them, but ask them questions, and she might have them to pray with her daily and to bless her household. Those that know something of Christ cannot but desire to know more, and seek opportunities of increasing their acquaintance with his gospel. End of section 59